Good morning, church. Well, it's always a, a joy to be able to share the word of the Lord with you. Pastor has uh, assigned me for four Sundays. This is my third Sunday, and there's one more in, on December the 10th. Uh, to share the word of God with you. The title of this sermon is More Than Enough. But before I start, let me just tell you a story. There were three men, and they were in a waiting room while the wives are going to give birth. The nurse came out and says to the first man, Congratulations, you are the father of twins. Now that's funny. This man said, the first man said, Because I work for Double Tree, now I have twins. Later on, the nurse came out again and announced to the second father, Congratulations. You are the father of triplets. The man responded, that's funny. I work for 3M. Suddenly, the third man began to yell and bang his head against the wall and beat his face on the wall. And the two men asked him, why are you yelling and banging your head against the wall? And you know what he said? I work for 7-Eleven. It was more, more than enough for this third man all right, to have a septuplet, possibly. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Prepare our hearts, O God. Help us to receive your word. Break the heart and stony ground in each of us. Help our unbelief. Plant your word down deep in us. Cause it to bear fruit. Open up our ears to hear. Lead us in your truth. Show us Christ. Show us Christ. O oh God, reveal your glory through the preaching of your word until every heart confesses Christ is Lord. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable, be acceptable to you, our Lord and our great Redeemer. Amen. I seem to be have trouble with... Okay. <coughs> I will spend some time on the introduction because I felt that it is very essential. It's the foundation of the sharing of the Word of God this morning. Do you know what this is? This is the logo, right? The five loaves and two fishes. Actually, when uh, the solid rock was established, my son, Aaron, who is now in Melbourne, was asked to design this. And so, this was the design of the logo. 
which most of us do not notice, is actually the five loaves and two fishes. The feeding of the 5,000 is a familiar story to most of us, whether you are in Sunday school or whether it has been preached in the church. However, my friends, being familiar with the feeling of the 5,000 does not determine understanding. You notice this quote says, familiarity obscures, it breeds instinct and not understanding. What does it mean? It suggests when something becomes too familiar, like this story of the feeding of the 5,000, we tend to rely on instinct or habit rather than trying to understand it deeply. And afterwards, you will see that the disciples even could not understand. And Jesus had to rebuke them and say, Do you not understand? Friends, we want to come and seek understanding on this passage of the feeding of the 5,000. As in the last question, you may be familiar with your smartphone, but then you may not have the understanding deeply of how your smartphone works. Isn't it true? Now, there are differences in the feeding miracles. In our Bible, all the four Gospels recorded the feeding of the 5,000. All the four Gospels. So it must be important. But then there is another feeding of the 4,000 which are only recorded in two Gospels and that is in Matthew and Mark. So, some people have said that the Bible has errors because you have the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000 and they look similar. I encourage you to have your Bible in front of you today because we are going to flip to Matthew, we're going to flip to Mark, we're going to flip to John, we're going to flip to even uh, 1 Kings. So it's good to have the Bible in front of you. If you don't have a Bible, take the pew Bible in, to be in front of you. Now, you will notice in Matthew's Gospel, in chapter 8, uh, chapter 14, the feeding of the 5,000 was recorded. And then, in, six, in the 16th chapter, two chapters after it, you have the feeding of the 4,000. In Mark's Gospel, you have the feeding of the 5,000 in chapter 6. But then, you have the feeding of the 4,000 in chapter 8. Very close to each other. And so some people say that they are the single event. But it's not correct because the Lord Jesus Christ has actually emphasized that they are two separate events. 
Now, so if you have a Bible, let me read to you Matthew chapter 16, beginning from verse 8. The background was this. The disciples were with Jesus in a boat, and they were arguing over what? Bread. They forgot to bring bread. And Jesus was aware of the discussion that was going on. So, verse 8. Aware of the discussion, Jesus asked, You of little faith, why are you talking about yourselves, about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000? And how many basketfuls you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000? And how many basketfuls you gathered? How is it that you don't understand? That I was not talking you to you about bread, but be on your guard, on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So Jesus confirmed that the feeding of the five thousand and the feeding of the four thousand are two separate events. But there are differences. One, in the feeding of the five thousand. The people were with Jesus for only one day. Can you imagine you're going to be with Jesus one whole day? We are only in church for only maybe two hours. In the feeding of the 4,000, the people were with Jesus for three days. My goodness, three days. And the food was what? The first, in the feeding of the 5,000, there were five loaves and two fish. And then in the feeding of the 4,000, there was seven loaves and some fish. And we were told in the feeding of the 5,000, the people sat on the grass. In the feeding of the 4,000, the people sat on the ground. In the feeding of the 5,000, there were 12 baskets full of leftover. But in the, in the feeding of the 4,000, there were seven baskets of food left over. The feeding of the 5,000 took place near Bethsaida, and this is the map. Whereas the feeding of the 4,000 took place in the region of the Decapolis. So that comes to the sermon points this morning. One, we're going to look at the compassion of Jesus. And secondly, we're going to look at dealing with scarcity. And thirdly, more than enough. So let's look at the compassion of Jesus. Now in verse 13 and 14, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. Notice, on foot. They don't travel in cars or motorcycles. They were on foot. Verse 14, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he was moved with compassion and healed the sick. Where were they? They were in a desolate place, deserted place. And Jesus went there, especially for privacy. Because if you look at the passage before, uh, before this, uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 14, verse 13, 
he heard that John the Baptist, his cousin, was beheaded by Herod. And he was sad. And he decided to go to seek some solitude. But then, his solitude was interrupted when he saw people who came to him for healing. And so, in spite of being fatigued, tired, and in grief, Jesus met the crowd with compassion. Friends, what is compassion? What is the difference between empathy, sympathy, and compassion? Now, if you look at empathy, it means you feel what a person is feeling. That is empathy. And what is sympathy? Sympathy means you can understand what the person is feeling. And what about compassion? Compassion means the willingness to relieve the suffering of another person. That, friends, is compassion. The Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 to 23 speaks of the lavish compassion of our Lord. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning, new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You see, even Mark chapter 8, verses 2 to 4 recorded the compassion of Jesus in the feeding of the 4,000, which I read. I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. We were told there are 5,000, but actually there are more than 5,000. It could be between 15,000 to 20,000 because the Jews do not calculate, do not count the women and children. They only count the men. And so, at this time, it was also coincides with the coming of the Feast of the Passover. So there were a huge crowd on the way to Jerusalem. Let me tell you a story of the red bubbles. Three red marbles. But there was this man, Jim Miller. He was a store owner and he sells food in his town. And there was this poor, ragged boy by the name of Barry. He had no money to buy peace for his sick mother. And Miller will say, okay, I will trade for one red marble which you have. And I will give you the peace for your sick mother. Two other kids were also in very poor circumstances. And Jim likes to bargain for peas, apples, tomatoes, or whatever, for red marbles. Jim died later. And... Uh, at the mortuary, people were lining up to give their condolences to Mrs. Miller. 
there in a line of people, there were three gentlemen. One of them was wearing an army uniform. Two of them were wearing dark suits and white shirts with nice haircuts. One by one went to the casket and put something underneath the hand, the cold hand of the late Mr. Miller. They ran away, wiping tears from their eyes because they have lost such a great friend. When they left, Mrs. Miller went to the casket and was curious what the boys had put in the casket. Under the cold hands of Mr. Miller, she found three red apples. Friends, this is the compassion which Miller had for, the, for these three poor kids. And these kids remember that kind gesture. So friends, the takeaway message for us to remember today is this. In showing kindness and compassion, we will not be remembered by our words, but by our kind deeds. And I like this quote. Life is not measured by the breaths we take, but by the moments that take our breath away. You know, when people show us compassion, it takes our breath away. Just a quick one for reflection to ask us, each one of us, to examine ourselves. What barriers prevent me from being as compassionate as I would like to be? What barriers? Friends, if you examine yourself, one of the barriers could be what? Your lack of time. You are always in a hurry that you have not, see, you have not been able to show compassion to somebody. Please, reflect on this and how we can show compassion to somebody after this service. The second key point of our sermon is dealing with scarcity. Now in Matthew chapter 14, verses 15 to 17, the Bible reads, As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. I would like you to look at the responses to scarcity. Let's look at the response of the disciples. You know, in Matthew chapter 14, verse 15, it reads, This is a remote place, and it's getting late. 
send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. This is a response of the disciples. They see it as a problem. Unlike Jesus, Jesus, when he looks at the crowd, he had compassion. But the disciples, when they look at the crowd, they had complaints. We have no food. What was the response of Jesus? Matthew 14, verse 16 records, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. It must be shocking. You give them something to eat. They must be thinking, Jesus, are you joking? We got nothing here. You said, give them something to eat. Let's look at how Jesus treats scarcity. If you look at Luke chapter 1, verse 37, it says, nothing is impossible with God. Jesus was asking his disciples to do something that is impossible. Have you ever come across something, a problem, and you think that is impossible? Friends, with Christ, it is possible. Matthew Mark 10, 27 says, nothing is impossible with God. And again, let's look at the response of the disciples. And the disciples said this, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. How are they going to feed a crowd of 5,000 with five loaves and two fish? Here again, we see the disciples were focusing on the problem of how to feed the crowd with five loaves and two fish. You know what's wrong with the disciples? They are just like us. Why? We have the scarcity mindset or we have the scarcity mentality. We have only five loaves and two fish. In the context of the church, you look at your scarcity. I have no talent. I have no time. I have no resources. I have no money. You know, in my small group, when we ask our members to pray, they say, oh, I am, I'm not, I'm not what I call ready to pray. I'm not good in praying. But now you can ask them. They are very good. Right? In the closing prayer, in intercessory prayer. And I say that one day they will come here and do the intercessory prayer. And ask them to share in the meditation. Oh, for the first time. They say, no, I don't think I'm qualified to do it. But now we have five who can do the meditation each time we have the SG meeting. And the, and the ultimate goal is what? Everybody 
to be able to lead in prayer, closing prayer, intercessory prayer, and also even share in the meditation and hopefully one day stand in the pulpit and share the word of God. This is our hope. So how do we respond to scarcity? We are going to look at it afterwards. But there's one thing, don't settle for less, okay? When we are dealing with scarcity. May I show you a slide of the five loaves and two fish? And just to give you a background, why bread, five loaves of bread and two fish? This bread uh, is not our gardenia bread or sourdough bread, you know, that we all eat, the expensive bread. They were barley loaves. Only the poor eat barley loaves. And then there were two fish. And you think what? The fish what? Expensive fish? No. They were fish which are pickled fish. Small fishes, that's all, dried. And those were the five loaves and two fish. That is the diet of the poor Jews. The rich Jews will have nice bread made from wheat. They will eat chicken, they will eat meat, they will eat what, right? Goats, they will eat sh a lamb. But the poor Jews have to contend with five loaves and two fish. But then what happens? Let's look at the takeaway message first. God often provides in unexpected and undiscoverable ways. If you trust God, friends, if you trust, God will do the impossible for you. You have to take it. Take God's word. And that is what? Trust in God. When you are in dire straits, when you are in a dilemma, when you have needs which have to be fulfilled, when you have financial problems, God will provide you. But be careful, huh? I'm not preaching the prosperity gospel. God is going to provide you in unexpected and undiscoverable ways. And in the feeding of the 5,000, God takes something small and makes it big. Think of it, friends. God can take something small and make it big. Our second reflection. You're like a boy who has little to offer. Do you feel that your resources are so little and and wonder what God could ever do with them? Think about yourself, like the little boy. With five loaves and two fish, you know, that was his lunch, you know, which his mother gave. And he was able to offer this to Jesus. Take these five loaves and two fish and do what you can with it. And they're so small, friend. And when... In the hands of Jesus, Jesus make it big. The third key point, more than enough. 
That's why I put this as a sermon title, More Than Enough. In verse 18, Jesus said these words, Bring them here to me. In other words, bring the five loaves and two fish. Verse 19, And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 besides women and children. As I said, it could be more than 5,000. It could be 15 to 20,000 people who, who ate during that day. We see here an example of the miracle of multiplication. You see, five loaves and two fish will not feed a multitude. Humanly speaking, it is impossible, but God made it possible. Because in the hands of Jesus, it is more than enough. Let's look at God's mathematics. Five loaves but two fish is not enough. But five loaves plus two fish plus Jesus is more than enough. That is God's mathematics. And anything, anything plus Jesus will be more than enough. Before I share with you the takeaway message, I want you to take note of the leftovers. Remember, there were, in the feeding of the 5,000, there were how many basketfuls? 12 of leftovers. Sometimes you think of Jesus, uh, how come uh, Jesus, uh, how come uh, you do not just multiply and it's just enough. Why leftovers? But remember, Jesus has something to teach the people. Jesus is saying, what? I'm not a God of just enough. I'm a God of more than enough. Friends, take this challenge. Take this from the Bible. God is more than enough. And why leftovers? Have you been to McDonald's or in the food arcade or, or and, and you sometimes you see people ate food and there were many leftovers on the table? And what do we do with leftovers? You see that they throw away leftovers. Some mothers, they would not like to waste the food, and so they what do? They, the mothers will eat the food. I remember our boys' brigade. Uh, remember, he's now uh, with a PhD in uh, medical technology. My wife and I were with the boys' brigade at the Methodist Center. So, you know what? 
when it was dinner time, he collected so much food on his plate and then he could not fish, finish them. There were so many leftovers. I told him, you are wasting food. Why not you finish the leftovers? I could see him, still what? Trying to put everything in his, in his mouth as much as possible. It was quite uh, funny. And he still can remember the incident when I attended his wedding. And I told him, remember? Last time you took so much food, so many leftovers, and I told you to finish the leftovers so that you don't waste them? My question, friends, is this. Uh, why is it that we have leftovers? Now, this is something that we may not have, we may, we may have missed out regarding leftovers in the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus prepared leftovers for a purpose. For a purpose. What is the meaning of the leftovers if we were to look at it from the scriptural point of view? We, we were told Jesus gathers, asked the disciples to gather the leftovers. Who were the leftovers in our community? Think about it. The rejected, the outcast, the misfits in our society. They are the leftovers. And what did Jesus tell us? Go and gather them. The leftovers. So next time when you eat the food, uh, don't have leftovers. If you cannot finish and leave, and leave the leftovers, uh, please remember about what Jesus said about leftovers. So let's look at the takeaway message. God is a, a God of more, not less. That's why in our scripture sentence, Ephesians 3.20, remember, I just read again, Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, God is able to do more abundantly above everything. Wonderful, isn't it, our God? God is not just enough. God is El Shaddai, which means He is a God of more than enough. So friends, the reflection is this. Are you focusing on what you can't do than what Jesus can do? Remember, Jesus can turn the scarcity to abundance. In conclusion, there are three things which I'd like to summarize. One, God, Jesus, demonstrates his compassion to all of us. Secondly, Jesus provides when we are in serious need, in scarcity. scarcity. Trust him to help you what you are going through. Thirdly, Jesus provides more than enough. Friends, give your all to Jesus and let him work a miracle for you today. And I repeat the words of Jesus, do you not yet understand?
is something for us to answer ourselves. And for those of us who are in this sanctuary this morning, the invitation is for you. When Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he who comes to me will never hungry. He who believes in me will never thirst. Jesus gives us the bread of life. Jesus gives you the living water. And I remember the Sunday school song. This church was originally called Trinity Methodist Hall. It was not considered a church yet. In front, here, they are all metal chairs. That's all. And in Sunday school, you were here. And the late Mr. Ku Gimtek always lead in the singing. And the song that I always remember is what? I'm feeding on the living bread. And when it comes to world, will you, will you thirst? The Sunday school children will always say, no, never thirst again. Until today, I can remember, no, never thirst again. And I'm feeding on the living bread. So are you willing to trust Jesus for your own not enough? If you have not known the Lord as your Savior, as the bread of life, Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. You take the bread of life, you will never go hungry again. Tell Jesus, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. You are the bread of life who takes away my sin by dying on the cross for my sake. Come into my life as you have promised to do so. When I open my heart to you, as my Lord and Savior. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, you have lavished upon us the riches of your glory. As Jesus fed the masses, providing enough for all, with more than enough left over, so you have fed us and provided for us. You shelter us, care for us, and bring us safely to each stop on our journey. And as you have given to us out of your abundance, we return our offering to you with praise and thanksgiving. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.